Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with the 2017 AFLW Premiership co-captain of the Adelaide Crows, Chelsea Randall. The Darabin Falcons' newest recruit, French footballer Colin Takei. We have our State Leagues wrap with Matthew Cox, Lauren Hodgson and Aaron Russell, plus all the latest on women's footy in Ireland and England with Michael Curran and Mitch Scully. That's all coming up over the next 90 minutes. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from 6pm on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. A quick note that we'll be bringing you two VFL women's matches this weekend on RSN Carnival. Saturday at 12 noon, we present Western Bulldogs versus Weemstown from Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. And then on Sunday at 2 p.m., Richmond versus Melbourne University from the Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo. Our first guest on the line this week was the 2017 AFLW Premiership co-captain of the Adelaide Crows, a club which she currently retains that co-captaincy. In her Premiership year 2017, she won the AFLW Players' Most Courageous Award. She is a two-time AFLW All-Australian team member. In 2017, she represented the Allies in the State of Origin game at Etihad Stadium. Prior to AFLW, she participated in all the women's exhibition matches. She was a two-time WAWFL Best and Fairest winner, won numerous premierships with Swan Districts in the WAWFL, a three-time All-Australian at the National Championships, and in 2013 was the West Australian State Captain. At this moment, during the winter, she's running around for the Northern Territory Thunder in the VFLW competition. And in October this year, she'll be a mentor for the Aussie Sparks touring side that will be visiting the United States and Canada. It's our great privilege to have on the line the one and only Chelsea Randall. Chelsea, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. It's been uh, three years since you've last spoken to us. At that time, you were just completed training at Melbourne, heading into the TV exhibition game at Witten Oval. A heck of a lot's happened over those last few years, including a premiership. It sure has. Our AFLW season has well and truly kicked off, and obviously heading into our third season next year. And yeah, lots has happened since we last chatted. How's the adjustment been for you? Because at the time we were chatting, you were actually working for the V-Swans up in Newman, up in uh, rural WA, to now living, mm. quote-unquote, the city life in Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, the city life in Adelaide, which is still um, not as busy as your Belbans or Sydney's, but it's uh, still a city life compared to where I was up in Newman in the in the desert of Western Australia and the Pilbara up there. So, um, yeah, look, I absolutely love Adelaide. Um, it's you know, it's been actually a breath of fresh air. I've met some new friends and um, the football club here has just been so good to me and, um, you know, and now I guess transition from Western Australia to Adelaide and, yeah, I'm uh, excited that I've re-signed just recently for coming into the third season. One of the roles that you do to complement your football playing at the Adelaide Crows to essentially be a full-time is you're a community program officer. How does that compare to the work that you were doing previously in WA with the V-Swans? Yeah, so my role up with these ones, uh, I was the regional core, uh, sorry, regional manager for um, the kicking and shooting goals programs in the Newman Senior High School. So basically, it was a program to engage um, high school students in their attendance at school and their positive behaviours, and a bit of incentive program around you know using netball and football as a tool 
um, and platform uh, to encourage those those attributes. So um, I absolutely love that. Was up there for about two years and just loved working with the kids and um, you know mentoring and assisting them with not only their sport but also um, you know their education and off field stuff as well. So my current role with Adelaide Football Club is I came across to be the uh, community programs officer with a focus of female football engagement. So um, the last couple of years I've just kind of developed some female football uh, programs here in South Australia as um, they didn't actually quite have uh, junior girls football um, teams. It was only for like youth girls when we first got here. It only had about 16 girls football teams um, at local clubs and now two years later we've got over 120 um, girls, you know, teams from junior girls and youth girls now, which is fantastic. And so we just do a lot of work in the schools and running football carnivals, like our Crows Cup carnivals and giving girls that platform where they can have a go at football, um, feel safe and, and confident and build their um, skills in a, in a safe environment. We're seeing that women's football has been growing a lot in Adelaide through the Adelaide Footy League, the amateur competition there. What's it been like in rural areas? Because just recently you've come back from Wyala. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, just on Wednesday morning, I flew out um, to regional um, South Australia to, to Wyala. So it's about probably four or five hour drive from um, Adelaide. And uh, yeah, through the support of BHP, um, obviously a partner of our ASLW team, but also, um, sorry, a sponsor, but also um, at grassroots level as well. So we ran a Girls Crows Cup Carnival out there in Wyala and um, just about had every primary school represented. So uh, it was a great day for the kids that more than half had never played the game before. So um, it's great that now, you know, they've been, I guess, uh, you know, had that opportunity to see football and play it themselves and then they can make that decision and see that they've got, you know, Ebony Marinoff and myself out there that they, they actually can pursue a career in football. Now, by even getting the co-captaincy, before the whole side was created, you signed on originally with Kelly Gibson as one of the two original marquees for the Crows. For you, how does it feel not only to be recognised as being a very good footballer, but being given the marquee role, which essentially is the ambassador being the face of the club? Yeah, I guess um, for me it was, you know, um, there's, there's so many um, amazing players across uh, Australia and that, and, and for me I'd kind of spent a couple of years uh, obviously living in the desert and the Pilbara. So um, originally when the AFLW started, I wasn't sure exactly where I kind of would sit um, among the other athletes. And, you know, it's it's just been an absolute amazing journey um, over the last couple of years that I've just learned so much and I still have so much to learn um, about the game itself and off-field as well. But, um, you know, continually um, putting yourself outside your comfort zone and challenging yourself in areas both on and off the field so that you do continue to learn and, and be the best person and version of yourself uh, so that others can, can follow or, um, you know, that you can help uh, develop them as people as well. And, of course, a very successful year taking out the 2017 Premiership. Just quietly, what have you done with the Premiership ring? No. <laughs> uh, the Premiership ring at the moment is um, locked away nice and safe. It's, um, yeah, I'm worried that if I wear it, I'd, I'd lose it. So it's... It's probably bizarre, but yeah, it's locked away and probably just bring it out for um, those memories and to share with uh, my children or grandchildren um, along the along the history um, line. So yeah, <laughs> locked away at the moment. I mean, it, it's crazy to consider that now because we've only just gone two seasons in, but how does it, I guess, at the moment feel that 
that jumper you've got in the closet, whatever the ring's locked away, all those memories <laughs> that are going to be so valuable in the future as in the first. There's only ever one first of something and you did that all. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think I, I remember after the um, actual premiership and, you know, everyone's um, comments and interviews and uh, people that we've spoken to and previous past players and premiership players for the Adelaide Crows, you know, just saying that, you know, you're the first, like um, no one can ever take that away from you and you just kind of, you know, it's still a bit surreal. Everything just seemed to happen so fast. Um, and, you know, I guess I was in the mindset where, um, you know, it was fantastic and I know that I'll treasure this when I finish my football career. Um, but also in, in the other side, side of your mindset, you're kind of going, well, you know, um, we can be better. We can, we've got to be better. Um, every other, other team is going to be chasing you. So you, you can never be satisfied. You've just got to keep, um, trying to be better, um, for the next couple of seasons to come as well. So it's, it's hard at one stage you're, you're so happy and you want to enjoy it. And then, um, you know, next minute you're, you're into the next season and you've just got to, um, try and, you know, flip your mindset to, to change and, and, you know, you start again, basically. And talking about things like the next season, let's talk about, I guess, a next season, another first. For you, the NT Thunder that you're playing with this year, um, mm-hmm. at least more than 12 of the Adelaide Crows girls have signed up to take part with the Thunder who play in the VFL women's competition. You've obviously played a bit of WAWFL, and I guess that's probably the best comparison against the league rather than the AFLW. Have you found the standard so far competing against the Victorian teams? Yeah, I think it's um, you know it's a great opportunity for um, our Northern Territory girls as well as you know our Crow girls, um, but mainly for those girls up in the territory that you know they they play during the wet season. So um, for those girls, um, they actually get to play football during this dry season for them up in Darwin um, and actually have something to strive for rather than you know there's only a handful of girls that actually make it to the AFL currently from Darwin, um, but they can actually see that there's a bigger pathway now that they can actually, you know, be a part of, um, I guess, that experience to work on, um, you know, being surrounded by that positive professional environment. Um, And, you know, they've got over 30-odd girls a part of that up in the Territory, which is just fantastic, you know, constantly training and, and setting those standards. So, you know, girls are actually getting an opportunity from Darwin um, to play against quality opposition in Victoria um, and actually be seen as well. Um, so I'm, it's more about our Darwin girls and, and actually giving them an opportunity. I'm just really excited and they're learning lots and as we are as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a good um, opposition and good competition for us to all be a part of. It's almost like the Crows in reverse, where you've got the two camps again, the Darwin camp, the Adelaide camp. This time the Darwin players are the majority. Uh, for the Adelaide players, how are you organising yourselves when it comes to training and preparing during this winter season for the VFLW? Are you essentially you using Footy Park and the same coaching staff, et cetera, that you would as you would normally with the Crows, or is that all different under the Thunder? Uh, look, it's kind of different through the Thunder. Obviously, Timmy Weatherall is our coach up in Darwin, so he kind of sets uh, what it is that he wants us to kind of work on. Um, and we have you know, a training um, out at Severson Oval, uh, so away from the football club here and um, doing some training sessions there. And uh, We've got, you know, some development girls as well coming through and, and just, um, you know, training alongside them to help us with our numbers. But, yeah, it is kind of reverse 
reverse roles at the moment, so you kind of get a taste of what it's like for um, our Darwin girls when we are in AFLW season and, um, you know, we've either got less of the numbers than what they have and just trying to do those training drills and, and come together and then basically we we fly in and meet each other a couple of hours either um, in the night time or in the morning of the game and quickly try and learn everyone's names and then go out there and play some footy. So, um, you know, it's, although it can be challenging, it's um, it's very rewarding at the same time uh, meeting some new people and being a part of, uh, you know, the VFL competition. Talking about challenging, having essentially to give up every weekend that you do play because for the Adelaide-based crew, you've got an away game every week. You're either flying to Darwin or you're flying to Melbourne. Yeah, it's that appreciation again for during that AFLW season. That's what our Darwin players do. So, um, you know, for us for, at the moment, it is, yeah, every weekend. Yeah, if it's Melbourne, we fly out Friday and we come back late Saturday night. And then if it's a Darwin game, we fly out Friday afternoon and sometimes don't get back till Sunday nighttime. So it is a commitment. Um, but, you know, it, you do it because you love footy and that you want to get better and um, help others as well. So it's uh, still an awesome opportunity and, um, yeah, looking forward to, to obviously having this weekend off and then next weekend I'll be playing um, back in with the VFL side hopefully against uh, a Melbourne side next week. Well, talking about helping others, you did a little bit of that back in October with a Kokoda trek uh, for the Little Heroes Foundation. Can you tell us how the idea around that came to be? Yeah, it was funny, actually. I remember being after our first AFLW season, we just won the premiership, and um, part of me, I think, just needed a, a – I wanted to, uh, I guess, run away, <laughs> to say in a, in a way, but it, um, I wanted to go to somewhere a little bit different after the footy season, and um, I remember speaking to Chris McDermott. Um, he was a former Adelaide Crows uh, player here, obviously, and chatting to him and I was saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm actually keen to kind of um, looking at maybe just going and doing the Kokoda Trek after the footy season. And um, he said, well, we're doing it through the Little Heroes Foundation, um, which, you know, supports families and children uh, in need here in South Australia. Uh, and they were doing that in October. And I thought, this is actually probably better for my body. I'll give it a rest and then I can do it in October. And he said, we'd love you to be a part of it. Um, and uh, a couple of the Eagles, uh, so the Sandful um, Eagles football team um, players and staff members were also going to be a part of it. Uh, so, yeah, so I jumped on, on the idea of it and helped started fundraising. And um, we soon found ourselves walking in the jungle of the Kokoda Trek and um, it was always, I reckon I was 13 when my dad and I and my brother had spoken about doing it and we, we should do that one day together. Um, and I asked them if they wanted to join me and my dad and brother um, jumped on the idea as well and they, they came along and yeah, it was just an awesome family experience but the, the crew that we had together was amazing. We raised over $75,000 for the Little Heroes Foundation uh, which was just tremendous. So the journey itself um, was just, it was just incredible. I don't still have the words to describe exactly what we went through, but you know, it was only the smallest part of what our soldiers and Australian soldiers would have actually gone through. You know, it's um, pretty amazing. So, uh, yeah, you take your definitely your, your hats off to to our Australian soldiers that fought that war. That was just incredible. So to hear the stories and walk the track that they did was um, pretty surreal and and very moving. As you mentioned, it's a it's a 
physically challenging uh, uh, course that you do, the Kokoda trip, which goes on for something like about 10 days. When you're there and actually taking part in this trek, and obviously you're being told the stories of the diggers that went through there in the early 40s uh, during World War II, do the emotions hit you there and then of what you're doing and and what has gone before you? Yeah, oh, definitely. It was, um, you know, and just the people in Papua New Guinea, um, you know, people were calling, uh, you know, they were our porters, but we, you know, referred to them as our brothers because, um, you know, they were just as equal as us and um, supported us throughout uh, this trek and it was just, surreal there were so many moments where um you know someone in your in your team I would say you know had a an emotional um time or physically challenging time and you you would either you know take their pack um for them and and walk up or you'd be behind them just there or give them a hug and every single team member kind of went through you know that kind of emotional or physical journey and we were just there for each other so it was um, pretty special. I've made friends for life through those guys. Now, another October that you'll be doing and helping people again is this October. You'll be heading to the United States to help the Aussie Sparks, the touring team that went uh, last year and we covered, which was a great privilege. How did you hook mm. up with the Aussie Sparks Touring Company to uh, join on for the tour of 2018 throughout the USA and Canada? Yeah, well, it's... Um it's yeah, awesome opportunity and obviously a great opportunity for our young um, female athletes coming through the, the system. Um, and, you know, I was very privileged. I've obviously played uh, Aussie Sparks as a non-for-profit uh, organisation and um, Jacinda Barkley, who plays for GWS, her and I actually used to play for Swanderson Football Club, um, as well as our coach, Nick Graves, who's actually the head coach for the tour um, had contacted me to see if I'd be interested in um, being a, an assistant coach and mentor for these young girls that were going to be a part of this tour. So, um, yeah, I was stoked to be um, and very grateful for the, the opportunity that they asked me for. And, um, yeah, obviously looking forward to, to that journey as well and um, seeing how I can best help and um, support the, the young stars that are coming through as well. Personally, how do you feel to be going through such facilities like the Chicago Bulls uh, Academy in Chicago, obviously training through there and, and heading up to obviously Racine for the USAFL Nationals, which they'll be helping out at, and uh, heading mm-hmm. up to places like Seattle and Vancouver? Yeah, it sounds a bit surreal. You know, you just kind of, I guess, you know, for uh, Aaron Phillips, obviously, uh, um, the other co-captain, my good mate from Adelaide Crows, obviously lives over in um, the US in Dallas, a different part obviously to where we're going, but you know, you only have ever hear stories about just the training facilities and the sport over there in America, um, in the US, and you just go, wow, like, um, just, I'm just excited to experience it myself because obviously you just hear so many stories about how great it is, um, and just the, the athletes and the facilities and that, that I'm actually just excited to see it for myself and, um, learn some new, um, you know, things along the way and hopefully be able to bring that back, um, you know, and share amongst our, my peers. Now, obviously, you're still very young yourself. Uh, this Thursday, you're only just turning 27. So hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe a decade more of good football still left in you, Chelsea. But when when the career finally does come to a close, which it does for all of us, have you considered what the next stage is, considering everything you're doing um, off the football field? Have you looked at uh, either a coaching, administration, or even media? Yeah, I think it's um, 
obviously something that you you kind of have in the back of your mind at, the, at this point in time and trying to decide. Obviously, you don't you never know what's around the corner in your football career. Uh, so it's just about making the most of it. But yes, yeah, kind of just taking the opportunities that that come your way with both hands and because you never know, you know, what the future might hold and, um, you know, what opportunities may open up when your career actually finishes. So um, I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like for me. Um, I'm just really focusing a lot on football, but the off-field kind of stuff, if there's an opportunity that's thrown my way, I, I try to, um, you know, make the time and, and see if I can learn something along the way, give myself some confidence, jump outside my comfort zone and, um, hopefully that can help me in the near future if it is a coaching role that I'm interested in or whether it's uh, media or just sometimes you just got to try things whether you think you might like it or you may not. Um, for some of the young trainees that I have um, in my community role, is sometimes you've got to do a job that maybe you don't actually um, you know think that you'd like because um, it might either rule it out going forward or it might just say actually you know I, I really did enjoy that and I want to give it a go so um, you know I do enjoy that space of, of just learning and, and making that decision for myself. And one final one before we let you go obviously the uh, trade period has come to an end uh, Talia Radden has moved on to Melbourne but you've got one incoming a fellow West Australian albeit a bit of a rival because she played at Coastal Titans while you played at Swan Districts <laughs> you've got Sparky incoming Renee Forth. Yes, we do. Yeah, really excited. Um, obviously, um, Forky has been playing in the uh, VFW, uh, sorry, VFL competition um, in our NT Thunder team as well, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, we got along um, in Western Australia really well. And she's just a, an amazing person and an amazing footballer. And we're excited to have her join the Adelaide Crows and what she can do and provide for us next year. Now, we believe you're about to take some time off to head over to Africa and enjoy a holiday. We wish you all the very best in that, and hopefully we'll see you near finals time with the NT Thunder in the VFLW competition. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. Now a question. At what lengths would you go to to try and make the AFL women's competition? We've already heard of a number of women moving interstate, particularly to Victoria, to try and improve their chances of being drafted. But how about moving to another country? Well, we've already spoken to the likes of Katie Klatt and Jess Blecker, who've come in from the USA. We've spoken to the likes of Kendra Hall, Valerie Moreau, Caroline LeDuc, who've come in from Canada. We've spoken to Alex Salter, who's made the move from Great Britain. And now there's Colleen Decay, who's come in from France. Colleen is no stranger to Australia, having studied here a number of years ago and playing for the UTS Shamrocks in Sydney. She was here in Melbourne in 2017 for the International Cup, playing with the European Crusaders team and was named in the world team at the end of the International Cup 2017 tournament. Now she's gone all in to try and get a spot on an AFLW list by leaving behind her job, friends and family in France and moving to Melbourne. She's found a home at the Darabin Falcons, who filled aside in the VFLW competition and the NFNL. And it was our privilege a week ago to catch up with Colleen at a cafe called Miss Marmalade in Brunswick. Nice to have you here in Melbourne. Now, first of all, we need to emphasise, as we chatted to you um, over a year or so ago, this is not your first trip to Australia. You actually spent a couple of years out here originally in Sydney. 
Yeah, I um, did an exchange at University um, of Technology of Sydney five years ago. And uh, yeah, I stayed there for two semesters, so just over one year. And uh, I, I traveled back to Australia a couple of times, once for a wedding and um, also for the International Cup last, uh, last August for, for one month. Now, of course, you weren't just any old player at the UTS Shamrocks. You were a very good player for them as well. Won awards and earned the nickname Emu there. Yes, that's true. It's uh, well, it was it was just uh, at a training session. The coach said uh, well, we were we were doing ground balls, and the coach said don't don't pick the ball like an emu. And I was because she wanted us to bend our knees and to actually get to the ground, and that just made me laugh because it's, it was something really Australian to say and I've never heard that before anywhere else so uh so it's just because I laughed they they called me emu after that so yeah it's it's funny (laughs) before we jump to your current move to Melbourne you were here for the international cup in 2017 playing for the European Crusaders struggled a bit during the tournament the team um, because a lot of you were playing together for the first time playing 18 aside football for the first time but overall how did you find the experience of taking on the likes of obviously Pakistan Fiji and in your uh, side of the pool you had the USA and Ireland oh it was uh, it was an amazing experience it was probably the best uh, my best foodie experience um it was so we met basically two days before the first game we played the first game we weren't sure about each other's name uh, but we improved so much in those two weeks five games in two weeks it was tough we only had enough players to to play we didn't have any almost didn't have any interchange so we were really lucky that uh, we didn't <laughs> had any major injuries um, but it was such a great thing to meet people from all over the world passionate about the same thing and uh, and it was great quality football. Um, I'm really glad I did this, and I hope we're going to have a French side in cup in two, uh, was it 2020, yeah, um, because I really want to do that again. Before we touch on all things French, you also had the honour of being named in the world team, essentially being uh, part of the best 22 women that play football outside of Australia. How does it feel to get that honour? Um, well... It was um, it was a bit unexpected and I was I was proud of of it. But um, I also have to say that um, I was playing in the back line and the ball was I spent a lot of time in our back line. So that's probably <laughs> helped me having like improving also at that uh, full back position. And um, and um, yeah, I, I was really busy. So I guess that's also why um, I got this. But um, no, it's 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 a, it's a great thing, and it's really I don't know what to say. It's really, it was it's really encouraging for the future, and it really encouraged me to make also the move I've made uh, now, and that's uh, uh, that's why like that that really encouraged me. I, I know I know I really wanted to play football more, and that's also that's why uh, that's one of the main reasons I'm here in Melbourne just to play football now a bit more than we do in Europe. You went back to France after the International Cup where you obviously play in the summer there, so very similar to obviously here Darwin and Australia. Because around that time it's the second season of AFLW's on, you've just come back from IC17, based upon all that's been happening in women's football across the world, has France seen an uplift in the number of women playing the game? Um, oh, yeah, yes and no. Well, I think the... 
um, we, in France, it's um, we really like to have more uh, AFL broadcasted in the media, more videos. Doesn't matter if it's women or men, really. We want the game to be more popular and people to know actually uh, about the game. Um, it's it's a great thing. Uh, AFLW, it's such a great thing. But I, I think the in in your in France at least, um, what's really gonna help the sport to grow is having it to uh, is how do I say that? It's uh, for it to be more known by everybody. Um, so some clubs in France uh, had a, a, a big number this year. Uh, Bordeaux Bombers they recruited a lot of players. Uh, that played in the first for the first time in Amsterdam um, at Champions League at the beginning of April, I think. Uh, in Paris, it was a bit harder because we came home late after the International Cup and we missed a little bit all the recruitment season, which is in September, where pe- people are actually looking for new activities, new things to do. Um, so we, we missed that a little bit. I hope it's going to be better this year. Um, but yeah, we can definitely say that football, women football, is growing in France because the more people, uh, that the more people they are they are coming to training, uh, you know, they can talk to their friends and bring their friends, and that's that's how it's grow, it, it grows to bring friends that bring friends that bring friends. Um, so um, yeah, if we can if we can get the footy to be more well known. Uh, in France and uh, bringing the friends of the friends, I think it's next in the next season. It's gonna be it's gonna grow a lot. So a couple of months ago, you were sitting at your office job, sitting in front of a computer as you normally would be in France. What sparked in your brain that I want to make the decision to move to Melbourne, Australia? It's something I've always uh, kind of wanted to do. Uh, well, since I came back from Sydney, that's I knew I was I was not over with Australia, and I really wanted to come back. Um, but I had to finish my studies, and then I found the first my first job, and then I signed another contract, so I was a bit stuck in Paris. But um, yeah, so I was working for three years, and I thought after the International Cup where I had so much fun, I met so, some amazing people. I thought I, I needed a new adventure and I needed a new challenge because uh, I'm only 25 years old, but, and I think that being in front of a computer all day long and doing the same thing over and over was not really the life I wanted. Um, well, maybe I'll come back to that later, but I needed a new adventure and I needed to challenge myself and to get out of my comfort zone. Um, so that's why I decided to make the move. It was not it was not easy because you know you always expected to do things in a certain way when you did that kind of studies or when you worked in that position and people are expecting you to um, um, continue your career in the same organization or uh, go from one position to another there. Uh, but I'm really glad I've done that. It's, it hasn't been easy every day, honestly. Uh, but it's really challenging and it's, uh, it's, it's what I'm here for. So let's get into the footy element of it first. You arrive here without a club. Unlike, um, let's say, Alex Salter from Great Britain who came over. She had Lawrence Barkay. She also played at Melbourne Uni. There was a hook up there. Uh, Shiloh Curtis got Katie Clatt also to Melbourne Uni. The Canadians go to the Eastern Devils. They've always had a long association with that club, although some obviously now Valerie and Kendra playing at Essendon. How intimidating is that to first come into Melbourne 
where there's dozens and dozens and dozens of football clubs all across varying different levels of skill and how they approach the game. How difficult is that to try and find where you want to play? Honestly, it was a real nightmare. Uh, I was not expecting things that to be that complicated with the football. Um, it took me probably two weeks to understand how everything was working with the different leagues that um, because you have clubs that are almost uh, next to each other, but they play for different leagues and uh, different divisions. And um, so uh, I tried to shop around for different, I, I did try out with different clubs and I was, I, it was impossible to, to choose because everybody was so nice to me. And um, so, uh, no, it was, it was really intimidating, really confusing. Uh, it took me really more time than expected to pick a club. It took me one month to get my first game. Um, so I think I could, probably could have um, anticipated this a little bit better, but here I am and now I'm playing. So I'm pretty happy about that. Clubs included Brunswick Magpies, it's probably West Brunswick Magpies, Brunswick Renegades, uh, Q Bears, Carlton Blues that you tried out at at one stage. You ended up landing at the Darabin Falcons. They've got an impressive network of being able to find footballers and have coffee with people. Troy Thompson pointed you in that direction. How do you feel playing at quite a famous football club, actually, in the Victorian women's scene, an impressive football club that has won 10 of the last 12 premierships? Well, I'm... Um I'm really proud of that. I think this uh, this club has a great great culture and great program. And um, why I picked that club is because I had that really good feeling with uh, the girls from the D1 team, and I I thought I thought that I would have a lot of fun with them, and I would learn a lot um, with the VFL group I'm training with, and also with the D1 girls. So um, it's um, it looks it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of I made that decision. It was not easy. It took me a long time. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's it was the right thing to do. And, uh, and it's, it's a great club with a great, great culture. How have you found the training different, I guess, compared to for the couple of years that you played at the UTS Shamrocks, which I'm guessing is pretty social football back then, back in Sydney, to someone like Darren, where you're not playing in the state team at the moment, you're playing in the Div 1 team in the NFNL. But still, there obviously that flows on to the reserves about still wanting to be professional. Everyone learns the same style of football, so it's consistent. How, how do you find that quality in training? The difference between what you learned in Sydney. Um, it's well, I think the at the training session it really goes into the the details and things. Um, it's. I was I was I was I was really amazed with uh, everything I've learned in just a couple of trainings. When I get home, I just write down things, key things I've learned. On it can be just on individual skills, but also on the on the general understanding of the game, what to do in which in this situation. Um, I've always uh, at trainings in Paris or uh, even back in Sydney, from what I remember, was. Um, well, I, I always learned a lot, but it was not going that deep into the small details. Uh, and that's really something I think I'm gonna help, it's gonna help me improve a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, the diversity of the drills as well. Uh, I have to say it's, um, I, I try to uh, write it down as well so I, I can send them overseas <laughs> to, to my friends in Paris because we're always looking for new drills, new kind of, um, 
of things to practice. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's really a uh, it's it's a great place to learn. Uh, I'm sure of that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's only early days, but have you found that learning under Jane Lang? I believe you trained last night with their state league team. Um, did some drills with them. Jane, of course, has won the previous two flags at the helm as head coach of the Darabin Falcons. She was an assistant coach at Carlton, now assistant coach at Melbourne. Some actually view her as a future head coach in the AFLW once her role pops up. Unfortunately, she didn't get the Carlton job. Don't know if she applied for it, but hopefully soon she'll get a head coaching role at the AFLW. How, how have you found learning under her? Uh, well, it, it, it's it's an amazing experience. Um, I try to focus as and listen and, and try to understand as much as I can understand. Sometimes, you know, it's still the barrier language, and because they know, like I, I'm 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 not sure exactly what they're all talking about, but it's um, it's it's an amazing experience, and I, I love her how she she explain things, but it's it's still. I've, it's still relaxed. Like people still have good laugh at training, and uh, and that's really something that you know when you you, you can focus and as and have a good time at, at the same time. I think that's really the way to learn, to have fun, and to be better. Um, yeah, it's it was really really impressive. The first training session, I was like, I can't I can't believe so that they, they gave me that opportunity to train with them because it's 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 i've never i've never experienced something like that before and it's great to see you being given the opportunity and darabin getting on the front foot there um before the queen's birthday weekend by you played one game so far you got thrown into the deep end you played for darabin against the bendigo thunder reigning premiers a very very good team the thunder um it's been dominant throughout women's football at least below the top level for quite a while now uh, unfortunately they won by about five or six goals, won comfortably on the weekend, but you, you put up a fight against them. How did you find for the first time being out there in a pretty good, difficult position to play, half-back flank up against such a good side like the Thunder? Well, I really um, enjoyed the, the... and Well, the, the, uh, Darwin, the team, that puts uh, such a great effort and uh, we, try, we, we try to compete with the physical intensity and physical fight they were putting on the field and uh, I was really proud of being part of that team and um, it was a tough game it was straight into it and I found myself quite lost uh, especially in the second half I was always a bit in between I didn't really know exactly where to run and uh, um, but yeah but I, I, I did my best and um, I hope I'll improve uh, and I, w I will improve that's for sure and um, I'm really proud of what the team did um, because apparently the first game they got beaten by a lot more and so it means that um, we can really compete with the best team in the league and hopefully next time uh, we're going to win that According to Coach Kiwi, she said you stood up tall in a tough game, which is good to hear. Talking about your little red book that you've been writing down notes, roughly how many pages do you think you've written down so far in that book? And importantly, is it in English or French? <laughs> it's a bit funny because it's I write, I write it down the way it comes to me and sometimes it's in French, sometimes it's in English. So, you know, in the same sentence, you can have the beginning in French and the end in English. So I don't try to translate everything because sometimes it's better not to and just write things how they come. So, uh, uh, well, 
couple of pages. I've actually studied this at the International Cup last year. Uh, it's not all foodie related, but it's it's uh, just things I'm, I'm learning well at training or with different experiences and things I want to remember for later. Uh, so, well, I'm almost at the end of it, so uh, I need to buy a new one. Well, I actually have a new one because my sister, <laughs> she, gave me, um, she gave me a little notebook as a going away present. So um, I've, got, I've got another notebook to fill in this year. <laughs> it's a little red pocket notebook if anyone ever finds it. It's about two-thirds full already. 96 pages and it's two-thirds full. full. And I'm talking chock-a-block full of notes. This is not like diagrams, etc. This is uh, just words after words after words. It will take you... A couple of weeks probably to read through it all but it, th- that is great to see all that knowledge that you're keeping in there and talking about a little bit of English a little bit of French rumor has that you actually caught up f- for a coffee with Valley Moreau from Essendon and rumor has it the conversation went backwards and forwards between French and English with her being a French Canadian uh- yeah, well, uh, it's you know it's the same. It's actually the same in Paris with um, my French friends that's in the club, or because sometimes we have Australians around and we can start a conversation. Even even if we are all French, we can start a conversation in English. We don't really, really realize and switch back to French. To French, it's really something that's natural for me now. Um, but yeah, no, it was great to uh, talk about all this uh, with uh, Valérie. Um, it's, it's good to see that uh, international players can make it at the best level. And, um, well, she, she, she's amazing, and I, I wish her all the best for, for uh, the rest of the season. Ascendant's really putting a lot of effort to, um, to, to win a game, so uh, I really hope they manage to do that. Um, but it's good to have some, um, some people that speak the same language. You know, sometimes it's, it's, always, well, it's always easier to express things in your native language. Um, I hope I'll be able to do that properly in English uh, (laughs) soon. And one last one before we let you go, an opportunity to get in a plug as well. Now, we've obviously seen on your Facebook page you like to keep a checklist. Now, you've done a checklist of uh, need a job, need a girlfriend. Not sure we can help you in the girlfriend stakes. I'm pretty terrible in that department myself. But in the job stakes, like you said, you studied at uh, UTS up in Sydney. What did you study up there and what type of roles you're hopefully looking for if you can find the ideal job here in Melbourne? Um, um, I actually have two uh, master's degree in ma- mostly in law, sports law and European law. Um, so what I studied at UTS was part of the of that. So it was a bit of economics, sports industry in Australia, sports law management. Um, I'm really passionate about the topic of protecting sport integrity. In France, back in France, I worked for the um, online gambling regulatory authority and um, trying to prevent uh, match fixing. So um, and to coordinate the monitoring of the um, of the betting data to try to detect and prevent match fixing. Uh, so I'd really love to do this in Australia because uh, from what I understood, for example, the AFL is much more organized to uh, protect the integrity and, uh, um, well, and from what I understood, integrity is also um, to fight against um, sex- sexual harassment or um, to uh, maintain the security, uh, the games. Um, so I really love to find a position in a sports organization and to work on that. Um, but I know it's not easy, but I'm trying to uh, build my little network and have as many coffees as I can with uh, people involved with the AFL and just tell them that um, I'm here and um, I have 
I'm available. Uh, and uh, I've got a little bit of experience in that field, so um, hopefully it will work. If it doesn't, um, I'm really so I'm really passionate about sport, and I would be thrilled with any position related to uh, to that um, general position. You know, um, especially with women football growing up, that's something that um, it's really exciting, and I, I'd really like to be part of it as well. Uh, yeah, if it works, it's a good thing. If it doesn't, well, you know, I just, I'm here to experience new things as well. So um, I've actually started a lot of different... Um, well, I've started to try to look for new activities. I've studied yoga last week. I'm loving it. I'm going to learn how to fix bikes ne- next week. And I'm actually going to do a barista course as well, just to know how to make the perfect um, cup of coffee because Australian coffee is probably the best in the world. And, um, you know, as I always say that, uh, Australians are as picky and uh, serious about their coffee as French people are with their wine. And, um, well, I'd like to know as more about coffee uh, as much as I know about wine. I, I don't know a lot about wine, but maybe, um, yeah, it's something, you know, some, that's something that's important for the Australian culture. So I'm here to experience that, that as well. And one very final one before we let you go. As we said, you lived in Sydney for a couple of years. You're now living in Melbourne. How are you finding living in Melbourne, the cultural differences between the two cities, including and most importantly, the football aspect? Well, that's funny because when I was in Sydney, I was not aware of all the politics between Sydney and Melbourne, and especially when it comes to football. Um, Now I still have my UTS uh, Sydney jumper or um, my hoodie, and when I go to training, people are like, what are you wearing? Like, you know, you're in Melbourne now, so to get rid of it. I really, it's really two different cities. Uh, if you tell, if you ask me which one I prefer, honestly, it's hard to say. Sydney's got more, like the coastline, the coastline of Sydney, and uh, the city in itself uh, is really great. And I had probably the best time in my life there five years ago. Um, but Melbourne's got more vibes, especially in this area in Brunswick. I really love it. All the little cafes and. And I recently discovered that you have a public holiday for grand final day, which I found absolutely amazing. Um, what did you hear about the public holiday we have for a horse race? Yeah, oh, I knew that before. <laughs> but uh, no, that, that's, uh, I, I love how Melbourne is uh, so um, exci- exciting and excited about this, this sport and the different sport. And, well, I'm going to the State of Origin game tonight. Uh, it's, I know it's rugby and people always here in Melbourne tell me like they, don't really, they couldn't care less about rugby, but it shows that, uh, you know, sport is really something that's really important in this city. And so I feel like I'm in the right place because it's something that's major in my life. That could be a difficult decision for you because you lived in New South Wales, but the Victorian philosophy is go for anyone but New South Wales. No, I'm probably going to go for the Blues. (laughs) Well, Colleen, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, and we wish you all the very best in the job hunt, the girlfriend hunt, and more importantly, in your footy career as you try and make it to AFLW. Uh, Thanks a lot, Peter. Time for our State League's wrap. No VFLW over the weekend due to the Queen's birthday long weekend. So we'll jump into having our previews and looking ahead to round six. And joining us on the line is our league caller here on RSN Carnival and Matthew Cox. Uh, Coxie, how are you? How was the long weekend? Oh, just beautiful, Pete. Uh, rested the uh, the mind and eyes up and uh, all ready to go for uh, 
uh, a big stint now. I think we're going all the way through to finals. So uh, looking forward to uh, the rest of the season, even though we are only at round six. Uh, feels like we're a long lot further into it. But um, yeah, as, as I've maintained in saying over the last couple of weeks, this season just continues to be interesting and of interest. And there's some pretty big games coming up this weekend too. Let's begin Saturday, 16th of June at 12pm. Maybe the Blues were hoping for another week off because as soon as they've come back at Rams Arena, they've got a date with the NT Thunder. Yeah, not not, not the greatest way to come off a, a long weekend. Uh, Carlton up against uh, the Thunder and, well, I, I think it's easy to say the Northern Territory Thunder, they should win this. They should win this by a comfortable margin. You just hope that Carlton are, are able to pull together a, a solid game, that they're able to uh, get a, a good score on the scoreboard um, because beyond that, uh, they're going to find it very hard. And I'd also be interested to see how uh, how good of a side Carlton put. The, the last game they played, they took out a number of their AFLW stars uh, from the list. So whether they return for this game, we'll wait and see. Saturday, 16th of June at 1pm, Henry Turner Memorial Reserve. That's the home of the VU Western Spurs, who are aligned with the Bulldogs. And the Western Bulldogs there will host Williamstown in the Battle of the Western Suburbs. Yeah, nice to see uh, Henry Turner Memorial Reserve uh, on the fixture in 2018, one of the grounds that uh, were part of the old competition. So nice to be heading back to that ground and this is, uh, as I said before, one of those interesting games. Both the Western Bulldogs and Williamstown have had poor starts to the season. Bulldogs yet to get a win on the board. Seagulls with one to their name. Um, and, and they've been under a little bit of pressure. Their, their scores haven't been brilliant. Um, and given the talent that's on both lists, you would have expected them to perform a little bit better. So this is going to be... A very, very interesting game. I'm going to tip the Western Bulldogs to get their first win of 2018 in this game. Obviously, a little bit of a big occasion considering they're going back to Henry Turner Memorial Reserve with that alignment with the VU Western Spurs. So you'd expect them to get up for that and, uh, well, just have a bit of pride when they run out onto the ground on Saturday. Saturday, 16th of June at 2.45pm at GMHBA Stadium. The Geelong Cats versus Darabin, that's first versus fifth. And it may be one of those rare occasions where the side that's fifth, the Falcons, would go in as favourites. Yeah, again, interesting. Um, A toss of the coin for me, really. we, We should be picking Geelong given their position on the ladder, considering that they're undefeated so far in 2018 are the the draw against Collingwood, and they're on their home deck, GMHBA Stadium uh, being Cadinia Park. But Darabin have been very impressive apart from that round one loss to the Northern Territory Thunder. They've been getting players back into the side, and they're just looking great when they uh, go forward with uh, Hannah Mouncey providing that that uh, presence inside attacking 50, and then that... Uh, They've got other players that are able to cram and, and kick goals as well. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to teach along, but I am not confident. They've had a track record in 2018 of just scraping over the line. I think that's going to be another one of those games. But uh, 
Tell you what, Darabin, um, they're looking very ominous. I know it's only early in the season, but um, they I, I sense that they're building towards something. And for those that do get along early to GMHBA Stadium, otherwise known as Cadinia Park, uh, at 1pm the curtain race to this game will be the AFL Women's Under-18 match between Vic Country and Vic Metro. So get along early to see the uh, best under-18s action. We flip over to Sunday. This is a battle of 4th versus 6th. Only percentage separates them. Sunday, 17th of June, 11.30am, Box Hill City Oval, Hawthorne versus the Southern Saints. Who would have said the percentage would be separating Hawthorne and the Southern Saints at round six? Um, again, interesting because we know that the Southern Saints, they've been consistently good so far in 2018, bar that round one loss. Uh, Hawthorne, we expected them to be one of the all-conquering sides of the competition in 2018. A blip on the radar last outing against Collingwood, so... They'll have a bit of fire in the belly. Saints also coming off two weeks off, which for me is just a little bit of a concern, uh, given that they might have just lost the touch of match fitness. So expecting Hawthorne to get over the line, um, but I think it's only going to be a two-goal margin. I think the Southern Saints can really push Hawthorne, and I think that's going to be a good yardstick as to where the Southern Saints sit in season. And to the final game of the round, Sunday, 17th of June, 2.30pm, Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo will be there live on air from 2pm to bring you Richmond versus Melbourne, Uni. I'd be expecting uh, Richmond to, to get over the line, but I'm not going to tip them. I'm going to tip Melbourne University to win this game. I think their experienced players back in the side uh, just starting to, to get on a bit of a roll. They're providing a bit of leadership for some of those mid-tier players at the Muggers who are continuing to develop. Scott Gowans is working his magic. So looking forward, to, for me, it's the first time I'll see the Muggers in 2018 uh, against Richmond, who I have been impressed with, um, and are definitely a chance to win based off uh, their last couple of performances. Um, so they... It's going to be another great game of football. If you're in the Bendigo region uh, or if you're looking for a good Sunday drive, head up to QEO, uh, Queen Elizabeth Oval, because this is going to be a great game of football, tipping the muggers to get over the line just by five points. And again, that's part of a double header. The game beforehand being covered by TAC Cup Radio is the Murray Bush Rangers Bendigo Pioneers game at about 12 o'clock. Again, the women's game. 2.30pm Sunday, Queen Elizabeth Oval, Richmond and Melbourne Uni. Having the bye this week, Essendon, the Casey Demons and Collingwood. Coxie, thanks for again joining us here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio and Women's Australian Rules Football. We look forward to your company this Sunday, live at Bendigo for Richmond and Melbourne Uni. Yeah, looking forward to the road trip up. It's going to be a great game of football and it's going to be another great round of VFL women's. Now, in the Tasmanian State League women's competition, a bye for the Queen's birthday long weekend, but they did have interstate football. TWL North taking on the Southern Women's Football League at Utah Stadium in Launceston, and a comprehensive victory for the North over the South, 7-8-50 to just four behind. So North, the champions 
of the state. The Tasmanian State League Women's Competition returns this weekend with round eight on Sunday at 1pm at West Park. Bernie hosts the Tigers, while at KGV 2pm Sunday, Glenorchy host Clarence Launceston having the bye. AFL Canberra first grade women's competition, no footy action over the long weekend, but they're back for round seven this weekend. 2 p.m. Saturday, Gungarland host Belconnen. 9.30 a.m. Sunday at Allen Ray Oval, Ainsley host Eastlake. And 10 a.m. Sunday, Quimbian host Tugranong. Now let's turn our attention to the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. They also had a competition by over the Queen's birthday long weekend, but they're back at it this week. And joining us on the line for a preview is our Sydney reporter in Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? How'd you enjoy the break? Yeah, it's always a bit weird when you don't have footy on a weekend. Um, but yeah, enjoying, must admit, still enjoying the break, but I'm looking forward to having some footy on next weekend. Yes, let's have a look this weekend, Saturday the 16th of June. 1pm at Pick and Oval. The Western Wolves host the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. I think uh, the Bulldogs will get another win here. Um, you know, Wolves obviously being on the bottom of the ladder haven't had a great year. And um, I think, yeah, the, the Bulldogs um, will, will get another win there and, uh, yeah, have some more, more pain on them. 1.20pm at Waverley Oval this Saturday. The UTS Shamrocks host Macquarie University. Yeah, look, I think this is going to be a, a really interesting one. Um, you know, you know, the Shamrocks have shown at their best that um, they can be a, a high-scoring side, um, but quite good defensively as well. So I think they'll give uh, Mac Uni a really good run for their money. Um, but I think the Warriors will still come out on top. 1:45 p.m. at Grey Gums Oval, the Auburn Penrith Giants host the Newtown Breakaways. Uh, I think this could be a, a pretty close one, um, but I think the home ground advantage. And uh, and I think the Giants will come away with the win there. And finally, 4.20pm at Sydney Uni Oval. It's the Bombers hosting the Southern Power. Look, Southern Power um, got a win over them uh, earlier in the year in a, in a close one. Um, and I think Power have, have had some good games since then. Um, but, you know, the Bombers have also got back um, some of their uh, AFL-listed um, plays as well. So I think this could be a potentially the closest game of the round. Um, but tipping Sydney, uh, uni to, uh, to get the four points this time. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. And we look forward to uh, catching up with you next week as we review round nine and preview round 10. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter. Turning our attention to South Australia, no footy in the Adelaide Footy League women's competition due to a competition buy for the long weekend. But we did have an interstate match. They were dubbing it the Australian Amateur Football Championship between the Adelaide Footy League Women's Competition and the VAFA Women's. And it was the Vicks that took out the title in the end, winning 5-12-42 to 2 straight 12. The Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 returns for Round 8 this weekend, where on Saturday, 2.10pm at John Bice Memorial Oval, Christie's Beach host Adelaide University. 7pm at the Fitzroy Sports Club, the Fitzroy Lions host the Port Adelaide Magpies. And on Sunday at 3pm at LD Arena, the Salisbury Magpies 
host Morpetville Park. Now across to Western Australia. They had footy on the weekend in the WAWFL League competition. Round night it was. And Saturday twilight saw Subiaco 7-8-50 just get over the line against West Perth 7-5-47. On the Sunday, the Pill Thunderbirds 14-18-102 defeated the Perth Angels 1-2-8. Claremont 2 straight 12 were defeated by East Fremantle 8-8-56. And Swan Districts 15-14-104 defeated South Fremantle 2-2-14. Looking ahead now to round 10, just the one game on the Saturday, 5pm at Fremantle Oval, South Fremantle hosting the Peel Thunderbirds. Sunday, three games all at 2pm at Claremont Oval, Claremont hosts Subiaco, East Fremantle hosts the Perth Angels and West Perth hosts Swan Districts. Time to find out what's happening up north in the QWAFL, and it's our privilege to have on the line the Premiership coach from the Coolangatta Tweed Football Club in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, Peter, great. Round nine has come and gone. Uh, a few teams having the buys, but we, we still had a little bit of action on the weekend. Absolutely, we did. Um, first of all, Coolangatta Tweed, 6-6-42. Had a bit of an arm wrestle in the end with Maruchidor, 3-8-26. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she had some had some chances. Um, always tough on the road, and that that's a massive massive road trip. I don't think we can stress that enough. But um, that was going to be Marucci's chance to 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 knock Cooley off there. I think this season, if they were going to do it, um, Cooley with some notable absentees uh, from the weekend, um, but still, uh, yeah, too too good coming away with the chocolates against uh, Marucci um, at home. Um, uh, yeah, that, that probably was a chance, but yeah, bit a bit of a close one. Definitely a lot closer than, than our other match, that's for sure. Um, but Cooley still staying in the race um, as it hops up for 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 a top four spot. To quote one band, Wilston Grange keep rolling, rolling, rolling. I I, I can't remember the last time they've been defeated. I think it must have been twenty seventeen. Wilston Grange Gorillas nine eight sixty two doing it easy over Bond University one three nine. Yeah, definitely hit the nail on the head there, mate. Um, yeah, they, they really are rolling and, and, and coasting through. And, um, you know, on, on the weekend, again, Wilson Grange having some notable absentees uh, from their list. Um, uh, Bond not getting anywhere near them. Um, and, and, and this is, yeah, that, that's going to be the challenge um, for, for them. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, as it goes on, it's probably not going to get any easier for Bond um, as the season draws to an end and, and these sides, you know, the Cooley, Kukuru, Wilson and, and UQ getting those players back. They didn't have when Bond was uh, playing in those first um, five or six rounds. But are they going to be able to hang on at the moment? Um, you know, in the, in the latter, they're, they're sitting in fourth spot. Um, you know, Yuronga, UQ knocking on the door there, only a, a win and two, two wins respectively behind them. Um, and I think UQ will finish this season strong. So um, you know, they're really going to need to come up with some wins if they're a chance to uh, to play finals in their first inaugural season. Um, it's going to be going to be definitely interesting and and uh, the fight's going to heat up for, for third and fourth, I reckon, definitely. Having the buys that round, Cooper Roo, Yoronga, South Brisbane and UQ. Let's just quickly jump ahead to round 10 and get your thoughts. Two games being played, three sides with the bye. Uh, Wilson, Grange, Marucci, Dorn, and Cullen, Tweed will all have the bye. Uh, a Friday night game to kick things off at Leishon Park, 7.30pm. Uh, it's the Yonga, South Brisbane Devils taking on Cooper Roo. Yeah, 100%. Um, and it's, it's, it's a different kind of game. 7.30 rolls around, especially at Yoronga, uh, Leishon Park. Right next to the river, mate, it is 
very dewy. Um, it's going to be slippery conditions there. Um, it's not sure which side that's going to suit. Maybe Yuronga. Um, a bit of a new new look side. Got a lot of younger uh, talent coming through, but they're starting to get some players back. Um, Cooper, on the other hand, are, are they're travelling okay. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've had some a rough trot with with some injuries to some superstars in in Tani White and Talia Hickey, which is. Um, you know, really put a bit of a dampener on their season, but they're coasting along well. They've got Sally Young uh, back, who's a stalwart and saying to hit a little bit of form, and 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 she's a good barometer for that side. This will be the match of the round, definitely. Um, Yuronga and and South Brisbane, Yuronga uh, South Brisbane and Cooparoo. Um, re- really, really tough game on on form. You know, you probably have to uh, have to think Cooparoo uh, going to be the favourites heading into this match, but. Yoronga um starting to get some players back and, and those those young girls are just gonna improve as the as the season draws on, especially with you know, surrounded with the likes of Bates and, and Zan Cheddar. Um, you know, this could be, be the, the one. And if they're they're a chance to defend their title uh from last year, twenty seventeen, they're gonna have to win games like this to to be a show and play finals at the end. So really must win game for for Yoronga um, to stay in touch with with the top four. And on Saturday at 4.45pm at Bond University, they host the UQ Red Lions. Yeah, this is this this is probably almost a final for UQ here, I reckon. Um, you know, I did say they're going to finish this, the season strong and they're going to uh, push hard for to claim their spot in the top four here. Um, they need to leapfrog both Yoronga and Bond to get in. And this is a must-win for them. Um, almost a do-or-die clash if they're going to play final. Some probably may have already written them off, but I reckon there is still a chance. Yeah, um, and Bond, and this is obviously one they need to, to win if they're to defend that fourth spot and sneak into the finals, which would be a bit of a fairy tale for them and, and, and fantastic. So, again, um, going to be a great game, this one, but I, I, I think UQ uh, are going to prove too strong. They're starting to hit some form, got some good players back, and I, I think... Maybe a few have written them off, but I reckon just quietly they might uh, leave there a sneaky chance to to get into the top four here. Just having a quick look at the AFLW Winter Series that is on at the moment being taken place between the Brisbane Lions, the Gold Coast Suns, and the GWS Giants being split into two squads, Northern Giants and Southern Giants, to virtually cover the New South Wales State. And just your thoughts on this. Um, Gold Coast Suns uh, were done by 35 points against the Northern Giants, Northern Giants winning that one. But the one that caught everyone's eye was uh, the Brisbane Lions with such stars as I think I saw Sabrina Frederick Traub in there. I think Wusher kicked five goals. 18-8-116 the Lions to the Southern Giants scoreless. Yeah, look, it's, the Lions would be pretty happy with that. You know, um, with, with those girls obviously signing on, Sabrina and Wusher uh, coming from Perth, interstate players uh, hanging around, especially after they lost a little bit of talent back down to Victoria. Um, great to see those girls in form and, you know, um, if they're to go deep in, into the season again and the Lions are to to, to um, go all the way, you'd really think that those two need to be on fire and, and, and kicking a lot of goals um, and getting reward for effort with their inside 50s. Um, we know what they're both capable of and, you know, you love Wish's, Wish's groundwork. She's obviously great overhead and see those two kicking a bunch of goals has got to be got to be good news for the Lions fans, fans isn't it? Um, and it's going to get interesting, this this uh, battle for, for players up here in Queensland. Uh, obviously, seeing the Suns coming in into the competition shortly. Um, you know, who 
which of those coast girls, do they go back down and play at the Suns? Are they staying up at the Lions? And, and yeah, things are going to get pretty interesting um, to see those those come in. And the Lions aren't going to give anyone up easily, are they? Um, and, and by right, so they shouldn't. So it's going to get really interesting. But, yeah, great news for Lions fans to see those girls playing well. And other good news for Lions fans, I'll ask you two questions on that, is they've managed to pick up former Carlton AFLW captain in Lauren Arnell. Uh, on those two questions, one being, how do you think she fits into the Lions side? And the second question is, there's a very good chance that she'll stay on the Gold Coast because her sister lives there. Do you think uh, Coolangatta Tweed, your old club, will be knocking on her door asking, are you interested in playing QWAFL football? Yeah, look, I think there'll be a few clubs knocking on the on the door to get to get her services. Um, you know, I, I really think she's she's capable of getting back to some really good footy. Um, you know, she 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 was playing some quality football back in the exhibition series when we were looking at the you know the D's and the the dogs playing each other um, those years. And and I, I think I think the Lions are going to use her in a role that 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 she's played her best footy in. Um, you know, I can see her playing. Um, across half forward and being that lead up link player who then, you know, can wheel around and, and, and give great delivery and service into the forward line for the likes of, of Traub and, and formerly mentioned, uh, Wushner. So I, I really can see her playing that sort of role. Um, you know, the Lions now are going to start to, they're in a really transition period where I think they're going to start to have to bring in and blood more and more youngsters. Um, like they did this year with, with Ariana. Now you'll see her rolling around again. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple other ones in the likes of yeah, um, Collingwood, um, you know, a couple of Sunshine Coast girls that have, have moved down here that could be a, a look in for for playing for, for the Lions, you know, in the coming year. So I think they'll really use her experience um, and knowledge um, that she's she's brought. You know, obviously they've, they've lost Ashmore, but Ashmore, great great player, great person. Um, but I think she. Lauren will just have that edge in, 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 in a bit of leadership and experience, and I think um, some of the girls will be able to um, to capitalise on that. So yeah, I see her playing the, the role she used to play, um, probably a little bit different to probably maybe less midfield time, a little bit more forward line time for, for Lauren Arnell at the Lions. And just quickly, after 13 years of Victorian women's footy, perhaps a change as good as a holiday? Oh, 100%, absolutely. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week as we review round 10 of the QWAFL. No worries. As always, Peter, pleasure. Time to head overseas now and find out what's been happening up in Ireland and England. First of all, we'll start with the Australian Rules Football League Ireland Women's Competition. They play seven aside. It was the fourth and final round. And giving us a rundown of what happened in that round and who took out the series, it's great to have on the line from the ARFLI, Michael Curran. Michael, how are you? Very good. And yourself? Great to talk to you again. Not too bad at all. A busy weekend for that uh, final round of the Arthly Women's Competition. Uh, it all kicked off with Game 1 with Dublin taking on a brand new team. Yes, that's right, Pete. We had a jam-packed day on Saturday. It was the fourth and final round of the RFLW Super 7s and we had five teams participating on the day. We had 10 matches overall and as you said there, Game 1 on the day was Dublin Angels versus Portage Pixies who are a brand new team, so it was their first day out. Uh, their first game out, literally, and uh, the girls were absolutely brilliant. The the score on that one was Portage Pixies, four goals, one behind 25 to 117 to Dublin Angels. So they got a win on their first game, which was absolutely fantastic. The girls were brilliant. Uh, they weren't used to Aussie rules at all, um, come from various different backgrounds, mainly rugby and, and GA, but they definitely took to the game like a duck to water. So 
that really got the day off to a fantastic start. Looking ahead to game two, the Porter Down Power 2-2-14. No match for the Cork Vikings 7-3-45. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cork Vikings were very impressive on the day, uh, throughout the day. In fact, they ended up with uh, three wins from four uh, for the for the full day. So uh, seven goals, 3-45. They were pretty dominant in that, particularly in the second half. Um, we had a few multiple goal scorers there. Kira CJ Murphy scored three goals for Vikings. And also Leah Lines, who's a, a well-known and a brilliant rugby player, was playing full forward for the Vikings. It was her first day, her, her debut in Aussie Rules, and she was very impressive. So definitely going forward, she's going to be a key marquee forward for any time that she's available to play. Looking to Game 3, the dominant West Clare Wave 6-6-42, defeating Dublin one behind. Yeah, the Waves came into the Round 4 at the top of the table, and they needed to do well on Saturday to stay there and they definitely made no mistake on their first game so a pretty dominant display against the Angels uh, six goals six behinds 42 uh, there was considerable pressure from the Angels despite what the scoreline looks like uh, leading to a lot of those uh, behind scores but Waves were were in tremendous form we had Rosie Curran kicking four goals there and um, a very strong performance and they set out their stall nice and early In game four uh, the Port Leash Pixies 2-2-14 going down to the Porter Down Power one four one thirty five, and that score sounds a little odd because there was a super goal in there. Yeah, absolutely. That was our first and only super goal for the day. So always, always a good buzz around the the oval when we have a super goal, and that was scored by Jess McGurk for Portadown Power. Who, coincidentally, it was her first game as well. So we had debutants across all the teams on Saturday. So yeah, that was probably the difference. Really, that ten points was a huge boost. The Pixies again, only their second game ever, uh, put up a, a very respectable performance. Um, but yeah, that was got power off to a winning start as well, which was great. And just seeing in that game for the power, just McGurk kicking three goals, including that uh, super goal for the power. Louise Cody, uh, two goals there for the Pixies. Uh, in game five, Cork Vikings, 2-3-15, went down to the West Clave. Where's, uh, me, I'll start that again. Uh, in game five, Cork Vikings, 2-3-15, going down to the West Clare Waves, 5-2-32. Yeah, this was probably one of the games of the day, um, and on paper it was going to be one of the closest ones, and that's exactly how it turned out at halftime. The score was 1-2-8 apiece, so it was a draw game at halftime. Very tight affair, uh, both teams giving it everything. Uh, the second half, the Waves kicked on a little bit and, and nicked it in the end by a few goals, as they have a tendency to be able to do. But again, we had some strong performances uh, for the Vikings up front. We had Leah Lyons kicking another couple. Marie Keating, the veteran Banshee player, is in outstanding form at the minute. She got a best on ground uh, vote in, in that game. And on the Wave side, we had Elio Gorman, who was also their best on the day, scoring two. Sarah Bohannon kicked two goals, and Elaine Duggan got a goal. So yeah, that was a cracker of a match. And um, that was the only loss the Vikings had for the day, but it set the Waves up to go four from four for the full day. In game six, Porter Down Power, 2-2-14, went down to the Dublin Angels, 6-3-39. Yeah, again, brilliant for the Angels. Um, they got their win. So that meant that all the teams came away with a win for the day, which is always a huge boost, especially when you've got new girls playing. So 2-2-14 for Porter Down. I think they, um, that's, uh, they had a similar score in an earlier match, coincidentally. Uh, Angels 6-3-39. The, the, the performance of most note there for Angels was from Emma Huben, who kicked five goals, and it was her first day kicking footy. So she's definitely one to watch as well going forward. Looking now to Game 7, the Cork Vikings 7-4-46, uh, defeating the Port Leash Pixies two behinds. 
Yeah, so the Vikings uh, were pretty dominant in, dominant in this one. I think by game three and four, the Pixies were starting to feel um, the pressure a bit. It was their first day out. Uh, it was a long day of activity. But again, Vikings, a, a bit of smarts around the ground. Marie Keating was dominant, kicking four goals. Best on ground performance. Maeve O'Gorman, who's um, a seasoned player as well with the UCC Crusaders, and um, kicked a couple. Leah Lyons got another one. So yeah, the Vikings definitely dominated that one from start to finish. But again, the Pixies, some of the new girls there, we had um, Tina Wright playing very well, Louise Cody again, and Emma Hooban again. So a lot of these girls, very impressive for their first time kicking a footy. And in game eight, the West Clare Waves are 8-2-50, dominant over the Porter Down Power, 3-2-20. Yeah, again, uh, the game was a bit closer than the scoreline suggests. Um, Power put up a great show there. They had their, their three goals on the board. Um, Waves, the, the interesting one here was they, were, they had eight goals, seven different goal kickers. A very interesting stat for the for the day actually was the entire Waves squad kicked goals on the day. So that's that's very unusual, but it proves that they're strong all over the ground. They were actually missing their marquee forward, Ailish Constantine, on Saturday, who uh, has won the Golden Boot Award, or we're about to put the table up online. And it just proves that they're well capable of kicking goals in her in her absence. Sorry, so that was yeah, a big win for the Waves. Yeah. In game nine, uh, the Dublin Angels won one seven. Were defeated by the Cork Vikings seven two forty four. Yeah, the Vikings were really on on form as the day went on. So again, pretty similar um, to their previous game against Pixies. They um, they pretty much choked the Angels from start to finish. A spirited performance as always um, from the Angels. But we had the Vikings kicking seven goals. Leah Lyons um, key again up full forward, the target all day long. A brilliant left foot on her. Um, she was she kicked three. Keats, uh, Marie Keating had two. A couple of the new girls there, Sinead, um, kicked a goal as well, and Maeve O'Gorman. And from from the Angels, we had um, a goal from Yvonne Palmer. And finally, in Game Ten, uh, the Portlaoise Pixies three behinds, no match for the West Clare Waves seven one forty three. Sure, yeah, this was the last game, ten out of ten. So it, it was the end of a long day. The probably the Pixies' hardest game on paper coming up against the. The team, the dominant team, really, and the team that were about to take out the title. So again, uh, of course, they put on a brave performance. But Waves seven one um, forty three, very efficient in terms of their kicking. Rosie Coran, who was at for, full forward most day, kicked four for the second time on the day. Goals from Yvonne Downs, Elio Gorman, Adrian Moore. Um, so Waves finished on a high with a with a big score, and that was their hundred percent record. Four wins from four for the day. And for the round four best on grounds, it was Laura Flannery for the Dublin Angels, uh, McCann for the Portadown Power, O'Gorman for the West Clare Waves, Huben for the Portlaoise Pixies, and Keating for the Cork Vikings. So, Michael, how did the uh, table end for the Super Sevens after the fourth and final round? Yeah, so after four rounds, we had West Clare Waves on top with 41 points. So they a pretty commanding win at the top of the table. Uh, played 15 games through the competition over the 14 rounds, won 13, so very consistent all the way through. And really, it's an incredible first season for West Clare Waves. That makes it a treble of victories for, for them now, further to winning the RFLIW Draft Cup in November and the AFL Europe Champions League in Amsterdam in April. So they really are the, the team of the moment. Um, Portadown Power finished second on 24 points, so... That was a thrilling result for Power. Again, they've been brilliant all season. Very consistent, getting better. McCann um, is doing a great job up there in terms of recruiting. Uh, one of the their, their Claude McCann that got best on ground. Um, that was her first day winning a best on ground award. Uh, she had three new players 
debuting on the day, the likes of Jess McGurk, who was, who was outstanding, Ella Boda, all these new girls. So yeah, they were delighted with that. Cork Vikings finished third on 20 points, just ahead of Dublin Angels on 19, and those guys were having a right-hold battle all through the day, and that literally went down to the, the last game on the day. So again, that's a big result for the Vikings. They've improved right through the rounds. They've built a strong squad down there. Marie Keating is bringing her experience to bear. You can see that. The girls are well coached. They're loving their football. Great for the Angels to finish in fourth as well. Um, so, And then we had the Northeast Cookers on 18 points. Portage Pixies, obviously, they only played one round, but they um, finished in sixth with six points. And then we had Galway McIntyre's on four points. So overall, fantastic. Seven teams competing in the competition over four rounds, over 30 matches, a couple of hundred goals. The whole thing has been a huge success. So we're absolutely delighted to have our first Super 7s um, out of the way. So now that the competition's done, we know that uh, on the representative side of things, we're looking forward to Cork in October for the uh, Euro Cup. Well, what's the schedule looking now like for women that want to play Aussie rules in Ireland? We're aiming to drive on and build on the momentum and the positivity. So we've some pretty exciting news coming up over the next couple of weeks there in, in terms of potential changes to branding. And we're actually going to go straight into our first ever Irish Women's Aussie Rules Premiership, and uh, the dates of that are going to be publicised shortly, but round one is provisionally um, set in stone for July 8th, so about four weeks away, we're going to kick off a premiership. That's going to run over the summer, July, August, September. We're going to have a grand final there in September. Um, that's going to be a 12-a-side competition, and we're, we need to firm up on the, the teams. Um, there's a few weeks for registration still to happen. So, yeah, we're going to be playing football throughout the summer for anybody that wants to get to get involved. We're hoping all the sevens teams build on that, continue recruiting, get some new girls on board. If, if Saturday was anything to go by, um, it's going to be another successful comp. And then that leads us right into the international scene then in October where we've got the Euros here in Cork on October 13th. So there's loads of opportunities for any girls that want to play or get involved. And um, there's also the potential, of course, now across the premiership and as there has been through all the competitions so far to to earn that place or to be selected on a, a squad or a training squad for the Irish Banshees. So lots of opportunities and potential for the girls to, to play footy. And that leads into a hectic 2019 schedule as well uh, off the back of uh, those that are watching AFLW. We then, of course, have in April the uh, uh, Euro Champions League, which no doubt the West Clare Ways will go over and participate again. Then, as we know, for 2019, the Euro Cup will be held in July in Sweden. And then in October, it's been announced that over in London, we'll have the European Championship, where no doubt the Banshees and the GB Swans will renew their rivalry. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting times ahead in 2019 and a bit of a change to the schedule with the Euro Cup um, coming forward a few months in June to facilitate that taking place in Sweden. So we're all very excited at the opportunity and, and uh, to go and play in Sweden. And I think it'll be very good for the women's game and the men's game. And then we've got the European Championships three years, um, every three-year cycle. So yeah, of course, from the Banshees' point of view, um, we lost the final a couple of years ago also in London. So we're going back to London. Um, it'll be probably a substantially different looking team on the basis of the girls we have today now and, and that's all very exciting and it gives the girls that, that are, have um, aspirations to play at that level or an interest to play at that level plenty to look forward to in that we've got that jam-packed international calendar as well running right through to 2019 and obviously then into 2020 we're looking at the 
AFL International Cup in August back in Melbourne as well. So that's a bit away, but at least the girls now can see the, the schedule and the international calendar for the next couple of seasons. Well, Michael, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you in about a month's time or so when the Premiership season kicks off. Many thanks, Peter. Look forward to speaking to you then. And now to check out the latest news from the AFL London Women's League. Round five was played over the weekend, and on the line is Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens coach Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Good to have you on the line to find out what's happening in London. We're already into round five. And uh, on the weekend in the Premiership Division, the West London Wildcats doing a number on the Giants, 6-5-41 to 2-3-15. Yeah, good result for the Wildcats. Unfortunately, the uh, Giants remain winless this season. They've played every side and haven't managed to notch up their first win. So not ideal for them. Um, but the Cats, I think they're sort of showing the Cats that they're the team that will be uh, you know, surging ahead into that third position. They're probably clearing third now, chasing down the Lions and the Demons. Um, and when they have a good day, they're pretty capable capable of putting a score on the board too. Looking at the second game that's played at Bounds Green, uh, North London Lions, a bit inaccurate, 4-10-34, but still enough to get over the Wimbledon Hawks, 1-7, uh, and that should make that 13. Yeah, no, I think this score is actually 1-1-7. I think that's a typo on the website. But, yeah, the uh, the Lions, pretty predictable result there. I think if they had a... If they had a kick straight, they could have, yeah, really done a number on the Hawks. Um, so the Hawks, is, they're sort of battling a way to, to stay in that top four for the finals. Um, whereas the Lions, other than their first game when they lost to the Demons by two points, they've been undefeated and winning by comfortable margins. So they're, they're shaping up really well. To the conference division, just the one game played for round five. And it was Wandsworth's Reserves, the Clapham Demons 2-3-15 in a thriller over the London Swans 2-1-13. Yeah, another exciting game. So over the past two years, they've had about at least four games have been decided by under a goal. Um, so just nail-biter after nail-biter. Uh, for the Demons, we had a debutante. Her name's Jane, Jane Meadows. Uh, she's come from and American football for England, and she played really well, kicked the goal with her first kick. Uh, and for the Swans, I can't quite get a hold of her name, but number 94, they've got a little midfielder slash halfback. And, She'd have to be the quickest player in the league. She was running right on the weekend. But, yeah, really good game. Low scoring, a bit tight until the end. So, yeah, those, I think I think the Demons are actually now on top of the table in both divisions. So that's a pretty good result for us. Talking about gun players, as we've hit now round five, just from your point of view, who have been some of the women that have been standing out in the premiership division so far? Uh, yeah, so let's have a think. Um, well, at the, I'd, I'd like to say this year at the Demons, we've been – Lucky that we've been a bit more spread. Last year we had a player who won our best and fairest very comfortably. This year we've got um, Ellie Keach, who's one of our halfbacks. She played VFL last year, or VFLW last year, so she's played really, really well. Um, at the Lions, it's sort of the usual usual suspects, uh, Laura Ramadan-Turner and Rania and um, Steph Philbay. So they're, they're always dangerous. And Danny Trott, their ruck, you know, those four are, Every week, every time we play them, we know that they're up for a tough game. Um, pardon me. To be honest, I couldn't quite tell you some of the other clubs because it's really hard to get a grasp of who is playing well because no one wants to tell you. I think that's half the reason. Um, in the conference division, though, I can tell you, number 94 for the Swans, I need to find out her name because she dominates every time. And uh, Dee Kelly, who is the Ruckman for Putney, 
yeah, gets her hand on everything, gets 30 touches a game. She, she's a dominant force in that league. So. so London Swans, get in contact with us, Twitter at Wharf Radio, W-A-R-F Radio, or on Facebook forward slash W-A-R-F Radio to uh, let us know who 94 is for the London Swans so we can talk her up. Yeah, um, that's right Looking ahead to round six, what are the games for this weekend? All right, so we've got uh, in the conference Division One game, and that's West London hosting Putney Magpies. Um, in all year, West London have been hard to predict. And Putney, they started out pretty well. They've had a couple of losses of, la- losses of late. So these two are probably at the moment battling it out for that final, final space in conference. I think Putney might get the job done there. Uh, in the premiership, we've got the Wildcats hosting the Hawks. So they've got two home, both their women's teams playing on their home soil this week, which is great for their club. Um, Cats, they had a really good win over the Hawks last time out. Probably expect them to do the same, but the Hawks, they're always competitive. They're always a really hard team to beat. They're quite physical and strong. Um, and the other game is probably game of the round. So it's the Lions hosting the Demons, top of the table in the Premiership, um, as well as that the Lions have a, it's their ladies' day, which and all funds raised go towards uh, breast cancer, I believe. So that's that's a great cause for them. Um, strength on their home ground, the Lions will be hard to beat. From our point of view, I think since 2016, we've been able to knock off the Lions in every in every uh, opportunity. So, yeah, hopefully we can get another win. Unfortunately, I won't be there myself, but our conference coach, Jimmy, he's back from Paris Fashion Week where he was last weekend. And, uh, yeah, we're in good hands, so I'm sure we can get the win this week. He was playing role of fashion police. Let's have a look ahead to the England Vixens because uh, you had your first uh, tryout day for the England Vixen squad looking ahead to Euro Cup this year. Could you give us a a rundown on uh, numbers that were there, some new faces perhaps that have shown up and what the steps are now to getting your squad ready? Yeah, this was really exciting. So we had our trial day in Nottingham on Sunday. Um, I think we had about 21 in attendance plus there's a, a couple, uh, Lisa Wilson is in Germany, Alex Salter, she's in, so they couldn't quite make it. Um, but we had at least, I think, 21 on the day. We played, uh, we did a couple of drills, we played a couple of nine-a-side games, because obviously that's the format of the, of the tournament. Um, and one of the best things was we had a mix of, a bit of a mixture of new and old. So we had, uh, you know, Danny Salter plays like that from last year, you know, leading the way. Um, but then a couple of new players, uh, so we have, Jane Meadows, who I mentioned from the Demons, she played really, really well on the day and, you know, really put her best foot forward. Um, and, uh, we have about four girls come down from Birmingham Uni. I think all of them, bar one, have taken up footy this And, you know, they're really, really good. Rhea, she's a tall sort of ruck, ruck option, kicks the ball about 45 metres. So, yeah, not a few players to watch there for the future. So, hopefully for this Euro Cup, we can get a good mixture of experienced heads and uh, new faces. And in the end, I believe you're trying to get down to, I think it's a squad of 16 that you'll be taking to Cork this year? Yeah, 16 players. So we'll have 16 picked and we'll probably pick a couple of reserves as well. Um, yeah, so it's, it, if you're nine aside, it's good to have those extra numbers on the bench because obviously we're playing quite a few games over the day. It's a shame we couldn't take everybody along with us because, you know, it's going to be a great weekend over in Cork. Absolutely. Well, Mitch, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week as we review the AFL London Women's League. 
Will do, Pete. Should be a good weekend in the footy. Thanks. Well, that concludes things for yet another week here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. A friendly reminder that we're broadcasting two VFL women's matches this weekend. On Saturday at 12 p.m., we present the Western Bulldogs versus Weemstown from Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. And on Sunday at 2 p.m., from the Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo, it's Richmond versus Melbourne Uni. That's what's coming up this weekend on RSN Carnival. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. And before I go, if you've got a spare moment, if you download our podcast from Apple Podcasts, please do us a favour and leave a review. We'd love your feedback. Until next time, bye for now.